This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Once you recognize you are feeling fear, resolve to cast it out with a strong, solid intention to heal, motivated by self-love. Valeria Tellez interviews Sherry Burton, the author of Where Depression Ends and You Begin, Four Passages to Discovery. Sherry Burton is a mom of six, author, holistic psychologist, speaker, business owner, Women Seeking Wholeness podcast host, and hobbyist divine feminine scholar. She has worked as a clinical counselor in the fields of mental health and addiction, and now specializes in the science and spirituality of emotional healing and sensory integration. A whole soul approach. Sherry is a former Mrs. Utah and guides females of all ages in her Stand, Speak, Shine private coaching programs, retreats, and online schools. She travels internationally, empowering audiences with knowledge and tools to heal their trauma, find their soul callings, and embrace their wholeness. Meet Sherry at SherryBurton.com. Here is the interview with Sherry Burton. In your own words, who is Cherie Burton? Cherie Burton is someone who is very dedicated and loyal to helping to help awaken those who are hurting so they can step into highest versions of themselves. Do you call it a purpose? Is that something that you relate to? Yeah, and I think the deeper purpose, if I'm just going to say that's what I do, but yeah. that's not who I am. Okay. So the deeper purpose is expressing my own sovereign soul to the world and, and discovering continuously who Cherie actually is. <laughs> and how did you discover that purpose of helping others? How did that come into being? Well, I always say that your mess is your message. Uh, uh, so yes. <laughs> a lot of the things that you can look back on your life and say, oh, well, this this trauma prepared me for what I do, right? Yeah. It's not always that way, but I, I'm finding with a lot of the people I work with, it's the case. I knew very early that I just loved observing human behavior. And I also have a lot of mental illness in my family. I've lost loved ones to suicide, including my own sister, two years younger than me, who was a mother of five children. Um, I had already gotten my psychology degree before that happened because I always knew that, I, that psychology was my thing. But I, I have also learned that spiritual and holistic psychology is more my thing 
because there's so much to us besides just what behaviors we manifest. And so, yeah, I, I just had to look back on my life at what I inherited, how, what I was born into, the, the um, circumstances and experiences I had and how they were all pointing me towards my true work in the world was just basically spiritual psychology, transpersonal psychology. Mental illness. What is it? How do you define mental illness? And also, what is to be mentally healthy from your perspective? Well, when I was getting my psychology degree, I would I would say back then I would have thought mental illness is something that there's a disease, something's yeah. wrong, right. but, or that person has a flaw of some sort. And now I look at it as the people who are the most awake. And here's what I mean by that. Mm. They are a sane person in a crazy world and their souls are so sensitive. Their bodies are so sensitive and their genetic sequencing is so sensitive that they don't react the same as another person because of that sensitivity. So it's not necessarily that they're flawed or broken or wires got crossed or neural pathways aren't connected. That's just physiology. Mental illness is there's been a breach or a disconnection in the realization of who they actually are. Mm. And they haven't learned to cope with their situation in a way that for them that's healthy. And it's not a one size fits all. Right. You have to dive in and find out what works for that person. I've seen people go quote unquote mentally ill in a, in a broken system and thought they were the crazy one right. when it was actually the system that was crazy. Right. Right. But, or the black sheep of the family <laughs> yeah. who looks like the one that's the most messed up, who's actually very, very aware and awake to what's actually happening. When you speak of this disconnection with the divine, some call with our essence or God or the source, how do you explain people who are human beings who are born this way when they have those predisposition for this disconnection? Did that happen before? Is that something that we call the soul's journey? Well, I I do believe there's there's a soul choice and not everyone agrees with me, but I think that some souls choose to incarnate in a body that needs to clear a lot of family mm-hmm. patterning. Right. And so it's not that there's something wrong with that person. They're just shining a light on the dysfunction. And for instance, in some ways, like children who are born, let's just say without limbs or who are born blind or so it's no different than that and mental illness. They are teachers Mm. and they show us that what is actually missing can be found and the family can be healed. And they are brilliant souls who come cloaked in these bodies that seemingly look broken. My sister who took her life was born with three holes in her heart. She was born with severe scoliosis. um, And then she was bipolar as well. But most people who met her knew that she was the brightest soul they'd ever met a lot of people felt that way about about her so it's almost like through all of these things that were quote-unquote wrong with her or missing that she actually it was actually her suicide that was the catalyst to kind of wake me up to my purpose for one and also um and not that I'm condoning that because it left a lot of broken hearts behind her especially her children yeah um but at the same time you know whether she'd suicided or not she was a catalyst to awaken parts of our family patterning that needed to be healed from generations back. That also very much resonates true to me. Have you experienced um, hypnotherapy 
Have you done that before? Yeah, I have actually. I've been in sessions uh, with family members who had certain memories and have seen that facilitated. Personally, I I haven't gone through a session myself, but I, I am familiar with other ways of accessing the subconscious. And there's there's more than one way to do that. Right. But, and I have dove into those shadow parts of myself through other other means and, and modalities. Yeah, I guess the question was was trying to ask is about past life regression. That's what mm-hmm. some people say. It's a, a very direct way of finding these um, these connections. Why we are experiencing the problems we are experiencing today. So I was wondering if you had um, some experience. No, but I've read books like Journey of Souls and things like that where they do that kind of therapy, and I think it's fascinating. With that in mind, what are the other methods, Sherry, that you provide or you suggest for? So it is important to gain new knowledge, of course, you know, and a lot of that is mental, just listening to podcasts like this and reading books that fascinate you and kind of climbing in that way. But I would say the most effective, aside from just gaining knowledge and words and whatever, is to get in your body, to find a way to get into your body somatically and just experience what you're feeling. Mm. And sometimes a memory when you, usually we go into fight, flight or freeze, right? Where we're getting really close to get to the heart of the issue and we just bail because it's too painful. And so you need an actual human sometimes to guide you through and, and kind of take your hand and hold and look in your eyes and say, you're safe. And so sometimes that can be just traditional therapy, but also a lot of somatic work like uh, Reiki or Mm, body talk or plant medicine journeys. And that's making, I've done a lot of research with uh, new ways of getting into the body with facilitate, you know, trusted facilitators of plant medicine, like MDMA or psilocybin or ayahuasca. I personally have done ayahuasca. I went to Costa Rica for a week um, and and experienced that. And it was, it really, it was like having five or 10 years of therapy in one weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's not for everyone though. Like you can throw out all these things and it's not for everyone. So find what's where you're being led. Listen to what's showing up. Look at what's showing up because usually the universe will send you your thing that the ayahuasca plant was calling me for a year and a half before I got the guts to do it, but it kept showing up for me and showing up for me and showing up for me. I'm like, okay, I'm listening. I'll do it. Um, so deep soul work, whether it is hypnotherapy or deep medicine or deep uh, shadow work or Reiki or energy work, I think that's the wave of the future with integrated medicine is getting out of the mind and talking and talking and talking about it right. and actually getting in the body and feeling what you need to feel with a trusted facilitator. My other question is about spirituality. What is spiritual? What is to be spiritual, Sherry, from your perspective? That's a really good question. Uh, it's so sacred for each person. It's, it's nothing to do with religion. I used to think it did, but it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It's not about getting another authority figure to tell you what to believe. I believe it's found in stillness. And it's like accessing your soul, your divine soul. And you'll know when you're being authentic to that, when things resonate. So spiritual spirituality is very messy too. Yeah. You know, making mistakes is spiritual because you're learning, you're integrating. So... 
All of our life structures are mirrors reflecting back to us how we're progressing in our journey towards self-realization. So for me, everything begins and ends with the self, self-divinity, self-accountability, self-compassion. Mm. That's where you find God. I love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Reconnecting with self, right? To find the... it's not it's, it's not like you can't find spirituality in others because you can yeah, yeah but it should all come back to accepting our own and realizing our own enlightenment our own responsibility our own inner connection I think I read in your book the one that you wrote many years ago twelve years ago the mm-hmm. God you mentioned the word God there do you still use the word God and if you do what is God to you. Yeah, I, my beliefs have shifted since I wrote that book. Right. It's imagine. an ebook, and, and you'll benefit whoever gets it. It's ten bucks <laughs> on my website. But I'm rewriting another book that goes into more of what God means because spiritual paths are individual. All paths are the path. Mm. So you could take someone who, let's say, they're atheist, and they are trying to navigate through all the belief systems that they were usually wounded by, and that's why they become an atheist. Or they choose to see and believe in their own way what it means to be good. In my way that I was raised, it was about perfection and striving for perfection because God is perfect. Well, there may be some truth to that, but I would rather be good for goodness sake than be perfect for a religion's sake or to earn my salvation or to be accepted by God. So God is not something to me like this white man beard on throne kind of deal trying to catch me in something I'm doing wrong. God is everywhere and in everyone and in everything. And all I can do is, is honor where everyone else is at in that realization if they're super double down religious, like heretic or, or not heretic, they're super di- double down religious, like lunatic, let's just say, which is a judgment on my part. But you know what I'm talking about, that kind of like, yeah. you know, holding the picket sign saying, you're getting an abortion, you're going to hell, whatever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> For what people do, that, that there's no, don't put God in that place. Because yeah. why would that person getting the abortion ever want to find God after you just said that? Yeah, I have heard about that before. I think, yeah, I have experienced actually to those yeah people who would think that way, which to me, from my perspective today, is kind of funny. <laughs> That's what it is, really. I don't take it seriously, and uh, I try not to take anything seriously or too seriously. But yeah, I love your idea of God being everywhere, and it might not be perfection in a human sense for the human experience. I love what you're saying. It can be messy, yeah, the spiritual journey, and it is, yeah. All that. Yeah, just like birth. Birth is yes. very uh, sacred and amazing. Everyone cries when a baby's born, but look how messy and painful it is to get a baby here. Right. And that's how our True. lives are. We're all being rebirthed mm. to, to find self-realization. And if you have somebody pointing their finger at you saying, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, mm. it's this way then that person is taking, they're trying to be a false God. They're trying to be God for you. Yes. And that doesn't work. The soul rejects that. Yes. That's why everyone's leaving religions right now, because our next generation are waking up to, I'm not feeling God here. I just want to be myself. 
Yeah, I just want to be me, right. So yeah, with that in mind, 2020 has been an interesting time of change and challenges for so many. For you, what have changed, Sherry, if something have changed? Since COVID or just... <laughs> yeah, I guess COVID, yeah, yeah March yeah, maybe just I have just come into not having to know everything. Like before my life was... So, I'm 52 now, I have six kids, I'm older now, I'm past that age of having to have everything just laid out before me. I can kind of roll with hey, I don't exactly know who or what God is. Does that make me a heretic? Does that make me not obedient? Does that, no, like I I can be in the mystery. Mm. Just like COVID was a mystery and still is, let's be honest. The vaccines, everything going on, still a mystery. Nobody knows how it started, what it is, what's going to, how the vaccines are going to turn out or any of that. I'm not into conspiracy theories at all because it's not useful. But there's just so much we don't know. And when we try to be in certainty, we try to control it. We can't learn the deeper lessons or be with what is. We can't be present. So for me, where I've shifted is just trying to come back to being here and present and not having to figure everything out because I'm a very (laughs) mental analyzing person. So, yeah, mystery. Which is the divine feminine. Divine feminine lives in the mystery. What do you think is the purpose of the human experience? Part of it is this, the realization of the divine self, but a part of it is just soul expansion and learning. So if you if you go back to what you said about, you know, reincarnation or people remembering past lives, like we carry, no matter what the belief is around that, you know, the soul is eternal. So we don't have any idea of what we experienced before we came here. So owning your karma and healing and and shining the light on the shadows and integrating, fully integrating who you are, good, bad, and ugly. To me, that will expand you instead of just trying to bypass over everything that's uncomfortable or any everything. To be spiritual, I can't feel anything uncomfortable. That was my belief before. If I'm not, I must not be very spiritual because I'm really struggling here. Right, right. When actually the struggle is the sacred. Right. Oftentimes, mm. that's where you find your real true essence of who you are so for me the purpose of this life is to integrate all parts of you and accept all parts of you and that's where you realize who you actually are that's another powerful and important message would you call that freedom oh yes emancipation (laughs) (laughs) yes it very much sounds like it And uh, two questions for you related to being a female in a human body. What do you love most about being a woman? Mm. I would say the um, the embodiment of womb wisdom and the connection to really mother, the mother energy, whether you have children or not, I have to have a lot of children. (laughs) Um, Just that playing that beautiful role of um, bringing souls into the, the earth and also creating the feminine ability to create is massive. If we listen to more women and let women create with men instead of the patriarchal rule we've been under for so long, we will have a different earth because it is happening. The shift is happening. Do you teach your children these uh, understandings that you're speaking of? (laughs) You do? Yes. (laughs) Do they understand these things, Sheree? Uh, Well, my kids range in age from 6 to 26. So the older children are on the path of 
figuring out who they are and trying to experience who they are versus being told who they need Mm, to be. And they're emancipating themselves in that way. Mm. We've all had to recover from religious wounding, how we were raised, how I raised them when I was unconscious to this. It's been a beautiful way to heal and healing my marriage in the same way. But yeah, I'm trying to raise them to be who they are, to find who they are and um, to be patient with that process. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. (laughs) Because yeah. you have in your idea who you think that child, what their potential is and what they need to be. Right. And sometimes we just got to get out of the way because you have to love your children for who they are, not what they believe. So you wrote the book, Where Depression Ends and You Begin, Four Passages to Discovery. That was a long time ago. I know you're writing a new book. But talk to me about the inspiration and intention of writing this book. Well, I had just lost my sister to suicide and I was clinically trained in psychology, having worked at a psychiatric hospital as a group therapist, having worked at an addiction recovery center as a group therapist. And here my sister just, you know, died. I was already starting to see the places I worked, addiction recovery and traditional mental hospital, if you want to call it that, that people weren't really getting well. And then my sister dies, same, right, you know, and so I... I said, there has to be another way. There has to be another way. We're not, you know, we're not really just dragging these people up and talking to them about their problems. It's not really hitting the problem. If you tell people they're depressed enough, they live depressed. If you tell people they're an addict enough, they lived as an addict. Right, right. And so I wanted, I just opened my mind and prayed and said, show me, show me another way. I don't care how weird it is. I don't care because I have children and who are inheriting, you know, these issues. Probably they've got these in their DNA somewhere. I lost an aunt to suicide who in her suicide letter asked my parents to raise her three-year-old son. So my youngest sibling is my cousin because of that. So this has gone on for many generations in my own family. So my children were carrying that. And so, yeah, that's what really prompted is like where depression ends and you begin is my sitting down and writing what I have found are some tools to reclaim your sovereignty and your, your health. And you asked me before, what is mental, mental, being mentally healthy. And for me, it is those domains of nurturing your mind, nurturing your body, nurturing your spirit and nurturing your passions, those four pathways. Today, Sherry, what is your understanding of what depression is? Depression is disconnection. Yeah. It's just like addiction. Right. And that's not a judgment on whoever has depression. But here's the thing. You're not a depressed person. You have depressed depression in you, and there's a difference. So you can't label a depressed person depressed without repercussions. It helps to have a diagnosis sometimes, but it's not self-defining. So for me, depression is a disconnection from or a breach, really, in who you actually are. It's a clouding of or an obscuring of your true nature. So don't surround yourself with people who are affirming your depression. It could be a therapist that keeps reaffirming that for you. And you've been in therapy for years and you haven't gotten to who you are yet. Mm. So climb in and find facilitators who can help you uncover who you are and the power you have because it's been breached. The power has been breached. Yeah. So find people help you reclaim it and connect you back into your soul and who you actually are, your divinity, your true nature. Getting a bit 
technical, I guess, is the signs of depression. What are some of the signs? And something that I never heard about is, uh, you call it in the book, bipolar, I heard about it, and unipolar, I never heard about. So talk to me about the signs of depression and the connection between bipolar and unipolar disorders and depression. Yeah, so there are many things. So instead of saying, you know, to somebody, you know, let's fix your depression. What we should be fixing is what's causing it, what's underneath it. So that's the first thing, because medication does not touch that. It, it puts something over, it covers it, actually, it numbs it. Um, unipolar depression is true clinical depression, where but bipolar depression has depression with what they call a manic state or hypomania, where you basically can't shut your thoughts down, you can't If you know somebody who's in mania, they can't sleep, they go into creative bursts, they go incoherent sometimes or can have psychosis. But unipolar depression is just depression, but it's clinically like. And so I won't go into all the signs of depression because that would take too long because there's, I would rather look at, instead of looking at the signs of depression, because people just Google that and find that easily. But what we want to look at is, hey, what exacerbating is exacerbating your depression that you don't know is? Because symptoms have nothing to do with that. So are you getting adequate rest? Are you hydrating? Are you moving your body? Are you, do you have someone you can trust to talk to you? Are you getting the right micronutrients? Are you cleansing your body? Are you doing what you love to do? Are you feeling spiritual shame? I would rather look at those factors than list out the symptoms because most people know what the symptoms are, right? Right. Um, it could mimic an autoimmune disorder. It can mimic a lot of things. Um, but generally, it's to me, it's just a really tired soul in deep fatigue uh, for not being able to express who they are. I love the way you say the four passages you have in your book. You have something that really caught my attention in the very beginning, I guess, when you talk about them. We cannot heal depression until each of these passages have been explored and are operating in realistic although not perfect, congruence and harmony. So the four passages are mind, as you mentioned earlier, body, spirit, and passion. So talk to me for a moment about each one of them, if possible, if you feel like it. And if you don't, I have some questions here, some quotes for each one of them. But I would love for you to give me some glimpse of what each one are about. The spirit, we already know, we, you have been talking about actually. Uh, yeah, just in a nutshell. So the mind is your mental field. It's what you think about. It's where you store a lot of your memory. You can store your memories all over the body. It's been said the mind and the body, the mind is the body, the body yeah. is the mind. Yeah. So everything in you is thinking and feeling and emoting and processing. Mm. I've, I've learned yeah. a lot about our three brains, our, our mind brain, our heart brain, and our gut brain, and how those need to be communicating in order for us to feel well. So Mind is kind of where we were talking about, like feeding yourself with the right sensory input and and what's going in, you know, what's coming into your mental space. What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? Like it all affects your mental field. The body is so visceral, like it just reacts without you even knowing. So you can get a stomach ache and not know why, but it's your gut brain trying to process your life experiences. So The spirit is just pure and unadulterated and and um, divine. The passion is you usually get lit on fire about something. And to be honest, depression is really 
it goes to a dark place when a person can't find their creativity. Like they can't, they don't feel like they're contributing. They feel worthless. They feel hopeless. So, uh, and sometimes they want to do something really bad. Let's just say, let's just say a person knows that they're gay, right? But they don't, it's not safe to be that in either their religious space or their family structure or even their friend group in their entire community. So the more that they shut that creativity and that passion down, the sicker and more depressed they become. A lot of people take their lives just because of that. So that's just one example, but not just passions in a relationship, but your creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were an opera singer and you had that kind of talent, but you didn't sing, you will become depressed. Mm -hmm. So you have to tap into that zone of genius you have and be you with that. Right. So all of those work together, right? Wow. The mind, body, spirit, and passion. They have to be on the same page. And it's its a path. It's its a practice. It, it comes with a lot of observation and going inside yourself and honoring what you're really feeling. And speaking of practices, um, I have a question for you here on, on the mind, trying to practice to have these positive thoughts in our heads. What is the best method for that um, specifically? Would you say meditation? Yeah, sometimes meditation doesn't work for people who are really depressed because they feel guilty that they can't go within and really get still because their thoughts and everything. And most people have a really hard time with depression, the majority of people, I mean, sorry, with meditation. So I like to use the senses. So what you're smelling, Mm -hmm. what you're looking at, um, those help you get inside if they're, if they're pure, if they're healthy ways, right? They're healthy sensory input. So I do a lot of work with like aromatherapy, um, with a somatic work like yoga, with breath work, yeah. because those are yeah. safe entries into getting within without feeling like you have to sit there as a meditator and be perfect at stilling your mind. Right. <laughs> it's almost impossible to do if you just jump into it. So most people give up on it. True. So guided meditation is better because then you have somebody in your ear sort of helping you. Like, it's okay if your thoughts just went astray, come back, you know, and making that okay rather than judging that you can't get still. So yes, to answer your question, meditation meditation is the goal. Yeah. But don't judge yourself that you can't do it right out of the gate. Stay with it. Honor where you're at with it. How do you recommend that we learn to meditate? Is there a right way to do it? There's a lot of apps that are there. There isn't really a right way to meditate. Meditation is just reconnection. Mm, So whatever it it takes, like I said, I use essential oils a lot with mantras. And mantras is just a a word that you say over and over. Because when you smell something, it takes you out of your logic brain and puts you into your limbic system, which is where your stored memory is. And so I have these soul declaration cards that I created, 26 cards. where And you can find those on my website. But it's just... Uh-huh. It's just pairing like smells with words oh. and looking at it. So I'm looking at this thing, I'm speaking that, so I'm hearing it, I'm using my voice and I'm smelling something. So using all of those senses together gets you out of your looped mental loops, mental right. stuff going on. And I have found that to be the most effective way to start even before meditation. What are the choices we have when it comes to the mind? So the only the, the, we always have a choice, and that's and that's the beautiful thing. We can always choose. It's it's you know there's there's oftentimes it's not a right choice 
choice or a wrong choice, but we can always choose. So, and that's where depression gets a little misconstrued in terms of like that person doesn't feel like they have a choice there. They feel powerless over whatever's happening. I'm not saying depression is not a disease because it absolutely is. So is alcoholism. So is addiction, but it's dis-ease or disconnection. Mm, Right. Right. So coming back to ease and coming back to connection. That's the goal, not talking about the problem over and over, not doing super deep dives into the problems. That can have a marginal effect, but we need to reconnect. So these tools of going within and moving your body and having the right nutrition that supports you, sometimes people who are depressed don't feel like doing any of that. Or they've tried it before and it didn't work. So again, it's it's coming into like an openness of show me because what I was doing before is not working and I feel like a failure and I feel hopeless. Show me. And when someone's depressed, you have to severely depressed. You almost have to take them by the hand because there's so much brain fog and so much disconnection that they just don't even know where to start. So using the senses is a great place to start. Uh, Beautiful music, essential oils, Mm. aromas, beautiful nourishing food, and then a trusted loving facilitator who's not going to shame them or label them or continue the disease from, you know, continue that disease mindset of your broken right. <laughs> even religion, religious facilitate the religious clergy people. They're not trained and they'll always just tell you, Oh, pray more. Yeah. <laughs> Read the Bible more. Uh, go to church more. You'll get better. Right. That's not, no, <laughs> that that's putting a bandaid over a deeper issue. And you have the, Passion being the fourth passage. I love something that you quote from uh, Marianne Williamson. Embracing joy heals depression. We cannot know who we are except in joy. I love Marianne Williamson's take on finding access to your soul. And she's someone I followed for quite a long time. And usually, and at that time when I wrote this book, she was one of the only voices that I could detach to. Now there are so many voices saying that. Yeah. You don't find who you are in anything but the light. But you can go into the darkness and access parts of you too, and we need to honor that. In the end of your book, you talk about Blue Rose. Do you still have the company called Blue I Rose do. Communications? Yeah. yeah, you can see my branding is a Blue Rose. And yeah, it's the name of my overarching company of everything I do, my podcast, my writing my wealth business, health and wealth business, all of that is under Blue Rose. Yeah. Talk to me for a moment about what's the meaning of the Blue Rose. I never heard about it, actually. That was new to yeah, me. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting um, <laughs> because the rose is a feminine symbol. It's about the divine feminine, which I didn't really realize when I chose this, but I think my soul did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but Blue Roses are the most rare on the planet. They are Roses don't grow blue they grow pink or white or whatever, but you have to inject a dye like a a botanist or a gardener or whatever. They have to inject the rose with blue dye in order for a rose to grow that way. And that's how we are. We are these beautiful, pristine roses, but we get injected with Mm. foreign elements that make us blue. They make us depressed, but also blue is the color of nobility. So um, it's to me, the blue rose is about divine feminine nobility and all the mess that we have to walk through on this earth. Wow. All the foreign elements that are trying to bring us down, we're, we're more than that. I have a few 
questions for you, the final questions. But before that, Cherie, would you like to add anything that we didn't cover? I think we've covered a lot of ground. I, I would just add that no matter where you've been or what you've done, you are whole. You are not what you've done or what you're experiencing in your body. You are a divine being here to learn and to reflect back to others what they need to learn. So that's all I would add so far. Yeah, I don't want to go into judgment on anything I'm saying, like, oh, go do nutrition, you know, go drink and go move your body. (laughs) It's like, no, even if you don't do any of that, you're whole. Thank you for letting that divine wisdom flow through you, being open to it. Three more questions, the ending questions. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? To be true to your own creative expression and to live from your own divine soul, not the voices of others. Because that's so subjective. So success for me is success, not what I accomplish. I used to think that's what it was, but it's just the expression of my soul. That's success to me now. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? You know, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, what if I just wasn't here anymore? And I think and I feel, not just think, that and I would hope that every day I'm showing people the God in them and guiding them to that with love and compassion, even with all the wisdom I've gathered and all the things I've learned in books and interacting with people and whatnot, that to me is the highest path, that that's the legacy that I want to leave, is that people felt their own divine essence or the God in them when they were experiencing me. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? All we have is right now. Yeah. I could get off the phone with you and an earthquake could happen. I could lose everything or it could, or you could get on a bus or you could go get hit by a bus, right? Like oh, yeah. anything can happen. So all we have is right now and life is short. So we should, we get so preoccupied with what might happen and that's where anxiety lives. And we get so preoccupied with what hasn't happened and that's where depression lives. Right. So be in the now. That's where all your power is. That's all we have is right now. That's one in three, right? What else Mm -hmm. can we say? Thank you so much again for your wisdom, for the work you do, for the message, for your beautiful presence. Thank you, Cherie. Thank you so much. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Thank you. Yes, I I have a podcast called Women Seeking Wholeness. And you can find how it's on every major podcast platform. But you can also go to my website to find all the offerings. It's just shereeburton.com, C-H-E-R-I-E-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sherry Burton and her work, please visit SherryBurton.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.